me wish I was someplace warmer every time I see that, um, especially this morning. Hey, um, I'm Pastor Andrew Oates, as Pastor Nate shared with you, um, and uh, I'm excited about this series as we kind of come to the end and we get ready to start Exodus, um, Anchors. What are we anchoring our lives to? Last week, we talked about anchoring our lives to the Word of God and how important it is for us to not just be hearers of the Word, but actually doers of the Word, um, that we would do what the Bible says. And we're going to continue with that, but um, with that thought, but I want to kind of talk to you this morning about anchoring our lives to the church. Um. I think there is not a more messy thing that you could anchor your life to. Um, and everyone, uh, everyone would say, you mean like the church isn't perfect? No. I have church hurt. Yes, so do I. If we raised our hand, everyone probably in here would have church hurt. But the reality is it's what God has instituted for his people that we would be the church. I think it's the process that God is using us to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles this morning, which is a topical message, which means we're gonna be bouncing around a lot. So if you have your Bibles this morning, Revelation chapter five, everybody turn there, Revelation chapter five. We're gonna look at, we're gonna start with the end in mind. Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 11, and we're going to read to verse 14. Revelation chapter 5. In the end, all created people are going to worship. They're going to worship Christ and the Lord. Revelation chapter 5, we're beginning with verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Let's pray. Precious Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truth. We thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord God, that you can sanctify us through your word because your word is truth. And so, Father God, I pray that we would submit ourselves to your word, that you would use this word, Father, like a double-edged sword quick and powerful, and it would divide between our soul and spirit and our bone and our marrow. Father, help us not to be hearers of the word only, but help us to do what the word of God says. 
And as always, Lord God, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Revelation chapter five is the end. And all of us will be around the throne that are Christians, that are followers of Christ, worshiping. In fact, in Philippians, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, in the end, causes all to worship him because there's nothing better. Why do I start there as we're talking about the church? Because the church is to be a microcosm or something small of what's to come. It's practice. It's warm up. It's the reality of the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is coming. So when we sing praise and worship songs to Jesus Christ on Sunday morning, what we're doing is it's a warm up for heaven. And so when we sing, praise the Father, praise the Son, or when we are all in going, praise the Father, praise the Son, this is a warm-up for heaven. And if you're half-heartedly doing it or you're cutting the donkey in half as you sing it, then you're warming up poorly. Heaven, eternity, is going to be incredible. It's going to be mind-blowing. And when we come together as the church on Sunday mornings for corporate worship, it's to make us ready that we come together and we see God for who he is. And so at Coastal, we we see God for who he is and we see ourselves for who we are. And we recognize, whoa, we fall short. At Coastal, we connect with God in corporate worship as the church. And we worship God So in John chapter four, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and he says, we worship God in spirit and in truth, right? So we worship God in spirit and in truth. So worshiping him in spirit, how do we worship him in spirit? Well, in, we worship him in singing. It's worshiping him in spirit. We sing to him. We worship him in spirit through prayer. Because in Romans eight, it says, we don't even know how to pray, but the spirit of God makes utterances and groanings for us in Romans eight so that we pray properly. It's about worship. And we worship him in truth by the teaching of the word of God. We worship him through the word of God and the preaching of the word. And we worship him in truth by giving our tithes and offerings to him. That's why we pass the plate. It's an act of worship. Because where your treasure is, the Bible says, that's where your heart is also. 
So when we come together for corporate worship, what we're saying is, God, there is no one better than you. There is no one greater than you. We're part of your kingdom. You're our king. And we're living now here on this earth as if you are our king now because you are. And so my question this morning as we get into this is, then why are we dating the church? Why can't we commit already? I've been engaged twice, only married once. First one didn't really work out because I realized I didn't want to be committed to her. And luckily, after this really, really messy breakup, I realized what I needed and who I needed to commit to. Most people come to church to date her, not to be committed to her or a part of her. And so as we look at the church, it's my prayer today is for you to stop dating the church, stop being engaged to the church, but on February the 3rd to sign up for We Are Coastal and commit already. Okay? All right? Time to commit. Okay, because here's the deal. If you're gonna be a part of the church, you can't just say, I'm a part of the church because I'm a Christian. If you're not a part of the local church, then you're not a part of the universal church. Ephesians chapter five. I'll take the Bible. I would love, I don't have time, but I would love to just show you that to say you're a part of the church means to be a part of the church, local. Ephesians five is very clear about it. But there's four questions about the church. This is one of the anchors in our life. So what do we need to do? If the church is all about worship, if the church is one day gonna stand before the throne of God and worship Christ and the Lord, then what are we doing now and what is the church and why are we here now and what are we supposed to do? And there's four questions that I just wanna answer about the church. There's so much more I could say, but I'm gonna go quickly. And so I wanna start with this. Who is the church? Let's start with the who. Who? Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, whoever's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Yay. The church are the people's people whose names are written in the book of life. Those are the people that are gonna enjoy eternity with God forever. So here's my response. How do I get my name written in the book of life? Man, I really need to be in there. I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire. Who is the church? Well, let me give you some words for the church first before we get to there. There's New Testament terms for the church, and I'll go through them with you quickly. The first one is, in Acts chapter 9, did you know that they weren't, before they were called Christians, Christian means little Christ, and it was meant as a slam. Oh, you're just one of those Christians, little Christ. (laughs) Okay? They were called people of the way. I know that sounds like a cult. I'm part of the people of the way. Are you a part? Oh, you're not? No, they were called people of the way. 
Maybe that it had to do with John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, Saul, who became Paul later, calls them the people of the way. But Saul, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, I'll read it for you. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, capital W, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. They were called people of the way. Secondly, the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Talks about it in Revelation. We'll get to there in another point. But the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 discusses it as well. It's the great mystery. Christ is our bridegroom. We are the bride. We are presented to Christ pure and holy. Number three, we're called the body of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ. That all of us have a part to play. Not all of us are eyes. Not all of us are ears. Not all of us are fingers. Not all of us are toes, knees, elbows. People go, the the church is so disunified. I said, yeah, you're probably not wrong. But I said, but you know, in my body, there's certain parts of my body that never touch. And that's okay. It's probably good if you think about it. But the reality is that we're all unified. We're all one church, one body. And whatever part you play in it, you're part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Individual members, one body. Number four, the Bible calls all the church saints of God or saints. You don't have to perform your two miracles to be a saint. In fact, the Bible says that once you're saved by Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what is the gospel? Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. What do we do with the gospel? We repent of our sins. We believe the message of the gospel. We receive Christ into our lives We're saints, declared righteous. We're declared saints. The Apostle Paul calls the the church in Rome saints. Romans chapter 1, verse 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he's talking to the church in Corinth. And if you know the problems in the church in Corinth, it's a surprise that he calls them saints. But he calls them saints to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with him who, though, uh, with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, the church of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Number five, a royal priesthood of the believers. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the apostle Peter writes that we are a royal priesthood. The fact that we're royal and a priesthood, he puts them together and says that we're a royal priesthood 
holy, blameless before God. The church, if you're taking notes in your notes, letter B, the church is the ecclesia in Greek. Ecclesia. People go, what does that mean? It's used in the New Testament to identify the community of believers in Jesus Christ. It literally means the assembly, a congregation, or meeting. A similar term was used in the Old Testament in Hebrew referring to the experiences such as the day of the assembly, the Lord's congregation, the meeting before the Lord. The church is the ecclesia. It's us. It's not the building. It's the people. You are the church if you have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not part of some cult. You're part of a living, breathing organism, a body. And there's little members of that body. Little members of that body. But that's, that's really what it is. And understand this. Who is the church? All those who belong to Christ are the church that have been saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that have come through the door of Jesus Christ, that have received Christ into their life. They are the church and they belong to Christ. Because the church belongs to Christ. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. It's not your church. It's not Coastal's church. It's my church, Jesus says. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's Christ's church. He's the one who spilt his blood to redeem it and buy it back from sin and death and hell. He's the one through his shed blood who wrote our names in the book of life. He's the one. And for us to believe anything else, let him be accursed. The church belongs to Christ. It is Christ's church. We are his bride. We are his body. We are his saints. We're his. Because he bought us. God sent his son Jesus in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning, while we were cursing God, while we were standing in opposition to God, he loved us and he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we could have eternal life with him. That's good news. That's why it's called gospel. Gospel means good news. Pretty cool, huh? So understanding that, that's, so when we connect with God in corporate worship, we say, God, you are everything and we are nothing. This is your church. When we come together corporately, we are your church. We are not our own. You bought us with a price. We belong to you. Secondly, so who is the church? Secondly, what does the church do? If this is an anchor to our life, what are we to do to demonstrate we're a part of the church? A part of the, we have secret handshakes and stuff. No, maybe people of the way did, but we don't, okay? Okay? What does the church do? If you're taking notes, write this down. We worship God in love and good works. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the idea is that we are spurring each other on to love and good works. But we worship God in love and good works. When we pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're to be doing is doing what the Bible says on this earth until Christ returns and we get to do it in heaven with him for all eternity. This is what the church is about. You have your Bibles, turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. We're going to look at the early church. And this is where we get connect, grow, serve, and multiply. People go, where did you guys get that? It's from the Bible. We're not that smart, okay? And as we look at this, I'm going to have you guys pull out this for a second here. But we're going to read this, and then we're going to talk about it. What does the church do? It, we're, he, they, the church, she, is to worship God in love and good works. The church must live out what it says it believes. And what does the church believe, and what does the church do? We're to be worshipers. Everything that we do, everything that we live, everything that we breathe is all about worship. It's what was supposed to happen in the garden before when sin came in, it wrecked it, and it's what's supposed to happen at the end. When you look at the bookends of Genesis and Revelation, it's all about worship. Okay? Acts chapter 2, God institutes the church through his son, Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. All those that believe and have received him all of those that have repented of their sins, all of those that have a relationship with Christ, here's what they do. this is what they do. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So what do we do in corporate worship? It's saying that we devote ourselves to the apostle teaching, that we worship God through his word, and we worship God through prayers. That's what we talk about. Verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What does the church do? They worship God in love and good works. Why do we give our 10% to God? Because I love him. Let me back it up. Why does my wife get my paycheck? Because I love her. She gives me an allowance, $20 a week. Woohoo! But she gets all the rest. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because I love my wife. And she can have it all. I absolutely adore her, and I want her to have the best. I want her to have whatever. Because I've committed to her. I didn't commit to you, I committed to her. That's why she gets my money and not you. And that's why I give my money to the church because I love the church and I've committed to the church. And this is what I tell people all the time. If you don't feel like you can give your money to the church, then you need to find a church that you can give your money to. 
Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And what did they do? How do we know? So they worship God through the teaching of the disciples' word. They worship God through prayers. Then what did they do? Verse 44, they believed all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions. That means they were giving their time, talent, and treasures to each other. They were doing what the Bible said. They were doing what the apostles said. And anybody that had need, they were meeting those needs. Let me share something with you. Why do we do membership? We do membership to see who's in. If you're a member of our church, we will help you. We've paid mortgages when people have lost their job. We've paid power bills to keep turn power back on. We have come in and done restoration and renovations on people's houses, not because... They, because their houses were collapsed and they didn't have the resources to be able to do it because we have all things in common, church. And I wish that was true of all churches, but I can only speak to Coastal. If you're a widow or an orphan, we will take care of you. Because James chapter one says, this is pure and undefiled religion that you care for the widows and the orphans. You have a need, church, you're a part of our church, guess what? We want to help you. We want to love you. That's why we want you to commit to her. We want to know who's in and who's not. I don't give my money to somebody that's not my wife. If I do, it's because it's a transaction, like I'm at the grocery store. I don't steal my groceries, just in case you were thinking that, okay? But I'm talking about in a relationship. I've committed to my wife. Therefore, she gets my resources. Why do we want you to commit to the church? Because Christ says you're to commit to the church. It's believers getting together. It's not a building. It's not any of this. It's all of us. You are the church of Jesus Christ. And what are we to do? We're to worship God and love and good works. And how did they do that? They had all things in common. And anybody had need. And day by day, they they attended the temple together. They broke bread in their homes, receiving food. So they went to their homes. Why do we want you in small group? We connect with God in corporate worship. We grow in community in small groups. Why do we want you in small groups? Because we want you to be cared for. Eight weeks in the fall, eight weeks in the spring, that's the minimum commitment. And just so that you know, I do the eight weeks in the spring and eight weeks in the fall. Everyone on our staff does. Why? Because that's the vehicle and mechanism to which we come together to help each other feel less alone. That's how we care for each other. That's how we identify the needs. That's how we have that. I loved it. We, I went to the hospital to go visit somebody, and I said, man, I'm so sorry. I just got word. It, it had been a day. They had been in the hospital for 24 hours, and I said, I just got word, and I just wanted to come and pray with you. And they said, it's okay. My small group's already been here twice. What? I was like, well, I don't need to be here then. I'm out of here. Peace. Oh, Oh, I'll pray, and then we'll leave. No, it's that reality is that's how we care for each other, church. We have to live out what we say we believe, what the Bible teaches us. 
Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. We connect with God in corporate worship. We grow in community and small group. We serve in ministry inside the four walls, caring for each other, and mission outside the four walls of the church. You guys got this little plastic thing? It's like a little plastic thingamajiggy. I don't know what to call it, just a plastic card holder or whatever. If you open it up, it's blank. Uh, we, we heard a statistic, and this is something that I want to challenge you for the year of. Continue to refill it. We'll have plenty of refillables for these. 90% of people that commit to the church, that come to church, do so through an invitation. So all this is is a mechanism to be able, for you to be able to connect, grow, and serve with people. So if you open it up right now, Here's what you have. Connect with me. It's a little yellow thing. You pull it out. Service time. What service time do you go to? I go to the 1030. Where's the location? What's the address of this? Of this? It's the Gloucester campus. Uh, it's on here. What's the address? Nate, what's the address of this place? Do you know the address? What? Hickory Fork something. Behind the Wawa, baby. Right? We don't use street numbers in Gloucester. We just say behind the Wawa. Oh, I know where it is. Come on. Connect with me. Sit with me. And afterwards, let me take you to lunch. I want you to understand and know and feel loved and cared for and see what a healthy church is. Come on, grow with me. Some of you are in a small group, and guess what? It's time for you to become inclusive. Say, come to my small group with me, sit down. We're gonna talk about our warts. We're gonna talk about our bunions. We're gonna talk about all the things that are messed up with us, and we're gonna still love each other, and we're still gonna help each other all of us feel less alone in this small group as we study the Lord and we listen and we write down what Pastor Nate said when he preached on Sunday as we study and love each other. It's messy. Most people feel alone because they don't feel known. Small groups is an opportunity and a place for you to be able to be known. But there's always that one person in the small group that's like, I want to tell you everything about my entire life. And they dominate it for like, three hours, and everyone in the small group is really nice, and they're like, yes, we love you, yes, we love you. It's those people that you need to look and say, hey, you know what, let me take you to coffee, you and I. Let's, let's let everybody have a turn to be known, too. Maybe I'm just the only one that does that in my group, but. Third thing is serve with me. Serve with me. You need an invitation. If you serve in the children's ministry, you should invite someone to do it with you. If you come to the students and serve with the students, you should invite somebody to come do it with you. I'm here to invite you that in June, we're going to Poland. And how many of you can speak English? Raise your hand. Yes, then you all qualify to come to Poland with me and teach English. Serve with me. Serve with me. This is an opportunity for us to stop doing it alone. To stop living alone. 
and start doing what the scripture says. Because if you look at it, it says, verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and any as any had need. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Because they loved each other so well, because they did what the scripture says, God started to add to their numbers. What does the church do? Church lives out what it says it believes. Number three, what is the goal of the church? Glorify Jesus Christ through unified, unbroken worship of God. This is where we could turn over to Revelation chapter 19. Turn over to Revelation chapter 19. This is what the church gets to look forward to. Revelation chapter 19, beginning with verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. It's an it's a exclamation point. That's why I said it real loud. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride, that's the church, has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And how do we as the church do righteous deeds as saints? Only through Christ. Only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Only through the power of the Spirit of God. And the angel said to me, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That we are to prophesy to, about Jesus. To communicate to everyone. To stand up like a voice in the wilderness to communicate. Jesus Christ has come. He's died on the cross for our sins. He's bodily rose from the dead. Repent, believe, and receive. Be a part of the church. I'm not talking about like crazy prophesy stuff things. I want people to think that. Jesus for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We are to glorify Jesus Christ because in the end, when we sit around and have a huge party in heaven, we'll be glorifying Jesus Christ for eternity upon eternity. Most of us are frustrated because we can't get everything done that we want to get done in this lifetime. And the reality is we're not supposed to. There are some things that I believe that God has reserved for us for eternity and we're trying to do it now. But there are things now that aren't reserved in eternity, that we don't have in eternity. Namely, marriage doesn't exist in eternity. So guess what? Husbands, wives, figure it out. We don't have it in eternity. Praise God. 
My grandma always said this, it's only the first hundred years of life that are hard, okay? You know what else we don't have in eternity? Raising children. All the parents said, thank God. You mean I won't have this child like always wanting money from me for the rest of my life? Yes. Not in eternity. My wife has sacrificed. Listen to this. Moms, listen. The sacrifices you're making now for your children, you won't have to make in eternity. And my wife has sacrificed so much of her dreams to raise my five children. People go, five children. It's because I don't want six. (laughs) My wife has sacrificed so much that she looks forward to eternity for the things that that she's going to do. All of the desires that she doesn't think that she can accomplish in this lifetime, she knows that they probably will be waiting for her in eternity. It is not without vain. It is not without, it is not in vain you discipling your children and sacrificing when you're looking and you're saying, no one sees me, no one sees the sacrifice. My husband comes home and doesn't even realize what he's doing and I can't believe it. Let me share something with you. Elroy. Elroy, moms, the God who sees. It's the only name of God in the scripture that was given to a woman. Elroy, the God who sees. God sees you. He recognizes the sacrifice that you're making. And I'm telling you, he makes it right in eternity. He sees you and he makes it right in eternity. It's worth it. So what's the goal of the church? It's to glorify Jesus Christ now through our lives in unified, unbroken worship of God because we're gonna do that in eternity. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, in whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you're taking notes, the church exists so we would feel less alone. In Genesis, there was a problem in the garden, and the problem wasn't sin first. It was loneliness, and the problem still exists today. And the church exists to help us feel less alone through the Spirit of God. God doesn't go, well, to Adam. He didn't look in the garden and go, well, Adam, man, you got me. Why do you need Eve? No, he said, it's good for man not to be alone. I'm going to make for him a help me. But guess what? Sometimes marriages break down and there's problems and loneliness exists. And it's one thing to say God knows you. It's another thing to be known by somebody else in the church. That's where the church exists, to help people feel less alone. Are you helping people feel less alone in the church? Those of you that are here and are not lonely. And those of you that are lonely, are you in a small group? Did you know in the most connected generation, we have these little phones and stuff that loneliness is one of the top three problems of this generation? They did a survey, and one of the top three problems of this generation is loneliness, and they've never been more connected. For those of you that can remember before cell phones, remember when you would call 
and no one would answer, or there was a busy signal, you're like, oh, okay, and you would hang up. Now, I call, and my wife doesn't answer, then I text her, and then she doesn't respond, and then I call her again, and then I go on social media, and I message her, because <laughs> she didn't get back to me in the, la- next, in the last 30 seconds. We have more accessibility to each other, but we're more alone than ever. No, you know why? Because we're meant to live life in relationship and community. Not like this. In the church, when we're glorifying Jesus and we're connected to Jesus and we're worshiping Jesus as the church, what happens is I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and strength, and I love my neighbor as I love myself. I start to love, when I'm worshiping Christ, I start to love the way Christ loves. Warts and all. Real community is like this. You come in your group and you share your sin struggles with somebody, and that person looks at you and says, is that all? There's nothing you've done that Christ hasn't paid for on the cross. And you know what? I'm gonna walk with you through this so that it doesn't have to define you any longer. See, we define ourselves in our society by our sin. But as Christians in the church, we should define ourselves through Christ and what he's done. Yes, these are things that have happened to us, but they don't have to define us. These are things that we've done, but they don't have to define us. Christ can define us. And that's what the church of Jesus Christ is about because it unifies us. And when we're unified around Christ, guess what? We automatically start to feel less alone because I can be me in my transparency, warts and all, and you can be you in your transparency, warts and all, and all of a sudden, guess what? It's Christ that we agree upon. It's Christ that makes the difference. It's Christ who's made the difference in my life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the beauty of the gospel? And so why are we dating the church? Why don't we commit already? So that others can be a part and this can grow to overflowing to where everyone wants to be here because you love each other so much. Because you love Christ so much. And we look at each other and we go, that's all, that's all, yeah, that's all. Oh, psh. That's why Christ went to the cross. That's why we glorify him and worship him. Number five, how can you be part of the church This is quick because I'm out of time. Only through Jesus Christ saving you. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. The church of Jesus Christ is not a private club. The worship team's gonna come up. It is a private club, but it's not exclusive. The privacy was paid for through Christ. Membership only comes through Christ. Jesus Christ in John 10 said he's the door. You want to get into the club, you want to get into the church, it's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through the gospel. 
And you demonstrate that you're a member of the church when you say, I repent of my sins, I believe the message of the gospel, I receive Christ into my life. And then you jump, and then you get baptized. It's interesting, I have a friend in Africa, and he said this, lots of people will pray to receive Christ, but it's only those that get into the river with the crocodiles to be baptized that are true believers. I'm like, yeah, that's a true believer. Hi. Listen, I want you to fill out your Connect card. If, you're not a, if you haven't gone to We Are Coastal, you need to go to We Are Coastal. If you've never received the gospel, you need to receive the gospel. We're going to partake of communion right now as they have all the, the things. Because let me tell you why. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they, they feasted, they, they broke bread, and they were all of one, unified. We're going to partake of communion because communion is this, 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 this symbol, this act, this ordinance, this sacrament that says that Christ is in us and that we are with Christ and we are with each other. It's a unifying thing. So that Christ is in us. And so the, the, they're going to come forward now. They're going to start handing out communion. Now, let me share this with you. There's a, there's a caveat here. If you're not a Christian, today can be the day of salvation. You can be saved, and this can be your first communion. If you repent of your sin, say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin, you believe the message of the gospel, you receive Christ into your life. This can be your first communion by taking, it, taking Christ inside you. Because that's what it is. It's the symbol of saying Christ is in me. He's not just on me or next to me. No, Christ is in me. And so grab a wafer, grab a cup. We're going to partake of it together. And those of you that already have it, ask God to prepare you because communion is the time we look back on what Christ has done on the cross for us, where he died on the cross for our sins and bodily rose from the dead. It's a time where we look inward to see if there's anything in our lives, any sin or anything that is standing between us and God in a relationship with God. Is there sin? Confess it. Repent of it. Christ will forgive you. And then it's a time for us to look forward to the fact that Jesus is going to return and there's going to be a great marriage supper of the Lamb. And those that are written in the book of life, the church, we're going to all be a part of it. We're going to look forward to that. It's that time where we say Christ is in us and we feast on Christ. But if there's sin in your life, confess it now. If you're not a Christian, become one. Repent, say, Jesus, come into my life, just take it all. Take my money, my life, my ambition, everything. God, it's all yours. I want to be a part of the church. I want to commit to you, Jesus, first and foremost. And by committing to Christ, you're committing to his church. That's the beauty of the gospel. So as the music is playing right now, make sure you're in right relationship with God and I want to pray. I see that they're still passing it, so we're just going to take a few minutes. I know I've gone a little bit long. The game doesn't start till 4.30, so we have time. Jesus is God. 
Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. Repent of your sin. Believe the message of the gospel and receive Christ into your life. And communion is that work. What I love is that one day I'm gonna stand before God. It's gonna be a horrible and awesome day. And my fear is, is always that he'll never say, depart from me, I never knew you. It's not that I know him, it's that he knows me. And the way he knows me is because he's in me. That I've received Christ into my life. And it's my prayer that today is the day of salvation, that you would receive Christ into your life as we partake of communion. I want to pray. Lord, I just thank you for every person here. As they're getting communion, Lord God, as we're getting ready, I pray, Lord God, if there's somebody here that's been fighting you and running against you, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Today they would surrender their life to you totally and completely. And they would say, Jesus, be in my life. Have it all. I surrender all of it to you. And God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would seal that decision. Save them. And as they partake of communion, Lord God, let them know that you are near. Let them know that you are there. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup, he took the bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, you do it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood spilled for you. As often as you drink this, you do it until I come again. Let's partake of the cup together. His body, his blood in us. This is the transformation of the gospel. This is what unites us as a church. This is what causes us to say, yes, I am no longer dating the church. I am a part of the church. And now I'm going to become a member of the church. Would God so work in us to do that? Father, we love you. We thank you for your body and blood and how the presence of Christ has come into us, Lord God. We love you. We acknowledge you, Father, as Lord of our life. We acknowledge that we are sinful, wicked people, but you are wonderful and holy and righteous and great. And God, you have called us and we confess our need of you. We confess our dependency of you. We confess that, Lord God, that even though we break the law, Lord God, you forgive us. Even though we are, Father, unholy, you have made us holy, Lord God. It is all about you and your son, Jesus Christ. It is not about us, and we thank you, Father. And we pray that this church would be a place where anyone that comes in, Lord God, would be loved, would be welcomed, and would be shared the gospel so that they don't have to be defined by their sin and live in their sin any longer, but you can set them free, Lord God. You save them and change them and transform them through the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.